Hello, Guilty Feminist. This is Deborah. We're heading off to Australia and New Zealand, where we will be appearing live and recording an episode in Christchurch on the 11th of May, Auckland on the 14th of May, Wellington on the 15th of May, Adelaide on the 18th of May, Perth on the 20th, Sydney on the 23rd, Melbourne on the 25th, Brisbane on the 27th, and finally Canberra on the 28th of May. So get in and get your tickets now. They are going very fast. Please go to guiltyfeminist.com and just click on live shows for any of these events. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm a feminist, but I was recently Googling men in well-cut suits. <laughs> it doesn't matter why. And my new erotica is men in well-cut suits in swimming pools. They're just like fully in a swimming pool in a suit. There's one of John Hamm smiling in a suit and he's just fully in a swimming pool. There's no reason for it. It's just like obviously some quirky fact, but there's a whole series of them. If, seriously, Google men in suits in pools. You too will become addicted to this form of gentle erotica. It's gentle. It sounds very nice. It's really nice. I like men in suits. Mm. And wet men in suits. Well, as it turns out. Yeah, I would not have anticipated that. I don't want to see... I don't want a picture of a man's genitalia. No. Ne- ever. I don't want that sliding into my DMs. Mm. Uh, but I do want John Hamm to slide into my DMs. Wearing, wearing a, wet a wet suit. suit. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. I'm a feminist, but I genuinely felt a bit down when I found out John Hamm was engaged. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he's engaged. I, did this, I just found out. <laughs> I feel nothing. <laughs> like, what chance did I have anyway? But it just felt like it was... When he was single, it was like, there's always hope. Yeah, but, like, at one point, he was with a, a partner for a long time. A long they weren't time. married. And, and they weren't married, exactly. And I guess then he was single. And they're, now he's, he's married? He's married and they're talking about children. Okay. And I don't want to be a home wrecker. I, I, you don't have to be a home wrecker. He lives in Hollywood and people get divorced. Even it's true. I just children. don't. I know. You, I, no, listen, play the long game. The long game. He's going to met. They're going to have a lovely wedding and she's there and they're going to have lots of children and then they'll get divorced. But by no fault of anyone and the children will be fine. And then John, John Hamm's going to be like, I need to change up my life. He's going to go on an exploration. He's going to be like, I'm done with Hollywood. I'm going to go to the West End and he's going to come here to London and he's going to be at the West End and you're going to be walking to your show here on King's Place and he's going to be outside his theater having a cigarette and he's gonna look up and go well who's that (laughs) and it'll be raining and he'll walk out from underneath the awning and his suit will get wet and you'll look at him and he'll look at you and that's how it'll start deborah francis white what a delightful fantasy yeah you're welcome you need to come around and do improvised bedtime stories for me (laughs) i just realized i could write erotica i think i just did yay Exactly. Write fanfic. I will. Yeah. Deborah Francis White and John Hamm fanfic. Fiction. It's what we all want. It is. Everyone wants that except John Hamm. <laughs> he does not. He doesn't know that he wants it. No. He is. He's marrying someone else. I'm married to someone. He's marrying someone else. Listen. We've both decided to see other people. Yeah. That is factually accurate. We have both decided to see other people. 
But when I say it like that, I imply there's more than there is. And um, I'm going to keep saying it. I'm a feminist, but I don't care if the Barbie doll's proportions are impossible. I still think she's pretty. Because, like, the movie's coming out, and Margot Robbie, I haven't seen it yet, no spoilers, uh, obviously killing it, but people will still be like, actually, do you know that if the Barbie was a real person, she couldn't even stand up? And I'm like, I don't care. I still like the Barbie doll. I still think it's a pretty doll. Do you know they were originally... Uh, German dolls that truck drivers used to have on the rearview mirror, the way that a truck driver might have like an air freshener or a fluffy dice or something, but they were erotic. They were like, you know, this like sexy girl doll. And a woman came over to, I think it was Germany, but it was definitely Europe from America, saw them and thought, I think girls might want to play with those because before then dolls had always been children Mm -hmm. because the child is playing with another child. And it was the first time she went, I reckon I could sell those. But to kids, like she basically, that you could buy them in, you know, sex shops and stuff. And she went, there's a market for this. I re- <laughs> Under 15. I respect that, though. I respect the entrepreneurism and being like, you know what kids want to be? Adults. It's true, like, but like th- if you th- take that's why the, the proportions are so weird. If she had said, that's an idea that children might want to be aspirational teens or young women, and they could be fashion dolls, that's one thing. Mm. But the reason they can't stand up, because they have these feet built for high heels and uh. enormous breasts, is because they were sex dolls, and she didn't think to change the proportions. I see what you mean. I really, yeah. Barbie was originally made for the straight male gay. Yes. But I still think she's pretty. I wasn't allowed a Barbie, because my mother thought they were too sexualized, um, and I was only allowed a Cindy doll. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, there, are other, there are other young women in the audience going, there are other women in the audience nodding and going, yeah, me too, me too. My mum also only let me have a Cindy. If She was cheaper. Oh, was that what it was? I thought it was because my mother thought Barbie was too sexualized. I'm pretty sure my mother thought Barbie was over-sexualized. I'm pretty sure. I remember the comments about it. And Cindy was just, she was just more wholesome. I got the wholesome Barbie who was Cindy, ironically with sin in her name. I'm a feminist, but recently I referred to a girl cowboy and a child in the room said, that's a cowgirl. <laughs> I said, it's a girl, you know, she's a girl cowboy. And they went, the little kid went, that's a cowgirl. And I went, shut up, you're only seven. Did, you know what would have been a really sick burn? If you said a girl cowboy and she had gone to you, are you a female comedian? Yeah, yeah. I, let's look, it, I did, did I say I was proud? No, yeah. I didn't really tell the child to shut up. I laughed, <laughs> said, of course. Like, I, it was just, you know, you know, sometimes words come out funny. I blamed yeah. that. Yeah, no, I get it. I once saw uh, the statue of Robin Hood at, in Nottingham, and I was with my partner, and I pointed to the statue, and because <laughs> it's not going to be as funny as I think it is. Uh, I pointed to the statue, and I told Tom, I go, look, it's bow and arrow guy. Because <laughs> I just... I was like, forgot it. See, it's not that. Anyways, Tom still makes fun of me for it. Uh, I'm a feminist, but a man once told me he uses a hair dryer, and I laughed because I thought it was girly. (laughs) I don't know how we got into it. It was backstage at a comedy show, and somehow he got into his hair care routine, and he was like, well, I use a blow dryer. And I was like, oh, that's silly. (laughs) I'm a feminist, but I use false eyelashes a bit. That's not the unfeminist part. They end up places because of how I am. <laughs> and the other day, like recently, for example, I gave someone some money. It was in America and I gave someone like a $20 bill mm-hmm. and she later texted me <laughs> because uh, she'd put it in her wallet. When she'd got it out, it had an eyelash so it sort of looked like George Washington or whoever it was, was like, um, and it happened to me at home recently, but two eyelashes fell on my laptop computer or ended up, got, I put, put, put it in a bag and brought it out of the bag. And they, I swear to you, the eyelashes were two apart in the middle of the closed laptop. And it looked like the way a sexist animator would animate a laptop character <laughs> to show this is the girl one. 
<laughs> you know how the boy yeah. one looks like, oh, it's just a laptop with eyes and a mouth and like a sassy attitude. But the girl one is like, big eyelashes and going, hey, hey, big boy. And I was like, I suddenly realized that my eyelashes everywhere was making everything in my house look like a 1950s cartoon of, this is how we denote girl. <laughs> You're Betty Boopifying your... I'm Betty Boopifying your stuff. One thing at a time. One ADHD moment at a time. I love it. I love it. I'm a feminist. But when my partner told me they identify as non-binary, my first thought was, this will do wonders for my career. (laughs) I'm a feminist, but King's Place Tonight put up a big poster of me and uh, behind, you know, just to say when the audience came in, yeah, you're in the right room, it's the guilty feminist. But it has to sit behind me all night. And frankly... (sighs) It's like it was taken five years ago, maybe six, and so it feels like the shadow of myself, just that bit younger, just that bit hotter, looking over me going, mm, it's all coming apart. And I, w- I think I need to, I love that picture, but I think I need to get an up-to-date photo because you're all sitting there drawing comparisons. Has anyone, just give us a cheer if you have drawn a comparison this evening. And was that comparison not in my current favor? Just give us a cheer if you thought she looked better then. Everyone looked at the photo and then looked at you and then looked at the photo and then looked at you and went, oh, and she's a lot smaller than the giant photo. (laughs) You're doing great, kid. You're doing great. Although, I will say, like, when you work in entertainment, especially in stand-up comedy, I will have people who will use an image of me to promote a show, and I'm sure this happens to you. They pull, like, I have on my website all of my press photos I want used now, and they will drag up a photo from, like, 10 years ago. Agreed, agreed. Where I'm thinner, and I'm blonde, and and I'm just like everyone's going to be disappointed when I walk out. They're not. Thinner's not better. It's no, just thinner's different. not better. But Blue hair's not, not worse than blonde. It's just different. Yeah. You look a bit different and equally gorgeous. And you look a bit different and equally gorgeous. <laughs> I'm glad we had this moment. I'm glad we did this together. What's the sisterhood for if not to lie to us? Now... <laughs> Live from King's Place in London, The Spontaneity Shop presents The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis White, guest co-host Abigailash Shaman and our very special guests, Chris Lani McAllister and Danica Lani, talking about Queers of Joy. This is The Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and the hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. I'm Deborah Francis-White. With me is Abigail Ashmon, and tonight we are talking about queers of joy. Just give us a cheer if you're a queer of joy. Excellent. Loads of queers of joy, and that's what we love. Uh, So we're going to meet some absolutely brilliant people. Uh, But first, would you like to see some stand-up comedy? And please welcome to the stage... The incredible Abigail Shimon. Hi, everyone. Uh, I I am, as you know, uh, by the way I sound, American, you know. And uh, I have to tell British audiences right up front, because so many times after shows, people come up to me and be like, oh, are you Canadian? And I'm like, good for you. People come up to me, ask me if I'm Canadian, and I'm like, no, actually, I'm American. And they're like, well, I thought so. I just didn't want to offend you. (laughs) And I'll be honest with you guys. I actually, I like being an American. I specifically like being an American who lives here in Britain. Because I've come over here with all my American happiness and enthusiasm. And oh, it really fucks with you. I'll just be walking down the street, smiling at people, making eye contact. You hate that. (laughs) Just being like, beautiful day. And you guys are like, is it? (laughs) I love being an American who lives in Britain. I, however, hate American tourists. 
because they are too happy, <laughs> too enthusiastic. My sister flew all the way over here from New Mexico, came to visit me, took one look at the British pound coin, and she was like, oh my God, they're money, it's like pirate treasure. I'm like, <laughs> don't say that to them. <laughs> one time I was on a train. Remember when those used to run? <laughs> Support the union. But nonetheless, there's some Americans sitting at that four top table in the carriage, and I know that because I could hear them. <laughs> some of the stereotypes you have about my people are very mean and untrue. Others, spot on. We are loud. I don't even need the microphone. <laughs> they were so excited to be traveling around Great Britain by train that they started to talk to other people in the carriage not in their party. <laughs> Which is forbidden. <laughs> they started to talk to this English guy across the aisle, just bragging about their travels. They were like, yeah, when we travel, we like to go off the beaten path. <laughs> so we're going to places like Manchester <laughs> and York. And the English guy just looked at him and was like, oh, York's lovely. And you could tell they were mad he had heard of it. <laughs> like, surely it must have occurred to them that the only reason why in America we have New York. <laughs> Thank you for understanding that, because sometimes I have to finish the sentence. Manchester, off the beaten path. I'm sorry, but that's like one of y'all going over to America and being like, oh my gosh, I just discovered this cute little village. You haven't heard of it. It's called Chicago. <laughs> we were on that train for hours and eventually the trolley woman, she made her way down the aisle with a little snicky snacks and they saw her and they freaked out. <laughs> they were like, oh my gosh, it's just like Harry Potter. And they looked at the trolley woman with all their American happiness and enthusiasm. And they were like, tell us, what kind of tea do you have? And the trolley lady, she was so infused with their American happiness and enthusiasm that she answered in kind, Tay. <laughs> Finally, one of them was like, I will have tea. It sounds authentic. Could you put the milk in first, please? I nearly stood up and yelled, go back to where you came from, Brittany. <laughs> We're full. Which is very funny when I say it, but cruel when you do, so please don't. We got two hours from our destination, and that is when Brittany decided it'd be the most opportune time to pull out the book The Hobbit and read it out loud. <laughs> Proving, haha, yes, Americans, we can read, but only to an eighth grade level. <laughs> the thing is, is before I lived here in London, I lived in New York City for 10 years. And if that city taught me two things, it's that politeness is a weakness, and don't lick your fingers after you've been on the subway. <laughs> this was my moment on the train to be the good American, you know, to prove we're not all like this. In fact, to go over to Brittany and be like, I don't think you understand the situation, but you're in the quiet coach. <laughs> and what you are doing, punishable by death. <laughs> but did I do that? No. Because that is the moment I realize I've lived among you all for too long. Because <laughs> instead of putting Brittany in her place, what I did was exchange a glance with the woman next to me and go, <sighs> Thanks so much, I've been Abigail. Abigail Shaman! All right. Our first guest today is the producer and host of Queers of Joy, a space to celebrate trans and gender diverse vitality. 
which platforms trans and gender diverse artists to share their art stories and experience through dance, music, spoken word, and performance. They are joined by someone known as the King Coach, Daddy Joy, and the mother of drag kings, who mentors first-time drag kings with queers of joy. Please welcome to the stage the incredible Chris Lanny McAllister and Danica Lanny. Take the mics, take the mics. Now, I can we just tell the audience a little bit about how we met? This it's a romantic story. Yes. How did we meet, Chris? It was actually about a year ago. Did you know that? It's a year ago. Was it? Yeah. That we met. Yeah. Was it? <laughs> so you were doing a tour in um, Australia, Australia, where Danica and I live. I'm actually English, but I've lived there since 2007, and um, we'd got tickets, but it was the show that got delayed because of covid oh yes so you ended up coming in the july and um so there was obviously something i wanted to share with you and i knew that you were asking the question has anyone done anything feminist since i last saw you yes so at the beginning of the show so i said to danica there's a bit i need to like you know get in front of deborah and share about what we want to share about and um so when when it came to the show um it was a day before my surgery as um, that I was getting top surgery to get my breasts removed. I'm trans, by the way, if you're on the uh, listening to the podcast, just <laughs> so you know what's going on here. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so we we went to the show, and when I oh, I saw the tickets, I said, "Oh, Danica, we're in row D," and she was like, "What does that mean?" I was like, "I think it means that we're four rows back from the front, so I might actually be able to get Deborah's attention." So when you asked that part at the beginning of the show, has anyone done anything feminist? And I've been sitting there waiting, and I was sweating, and then I and but you said set the bar low, so I was like, "Well, I can't go now; I have to wait," and then. Uh, <laughs> So I waited for some really low bar feminist acts. I mean, that was, that was sort of the gag. Was like, if you set the bar too high, no one else wants to say anything. So we wanted like a, a mini act of feminism at the beginning. And I, I, was doing, I was playing this game for a while. Now I'm saying most feminist job, least feminist job, um, just cause to mix it up. And also I'm learning different things. But so you're sitting there waiting while someone's saying, I, yep. I stopped shaving my legs, but not for tonight. Yeah, someone said, yeah. Oh, yeah. Someone said, oh, I bought a ticket for people here, or whatever it was. And yeah. then there was a number of, there was about three. And then someone actually didn't even wait to get asked. They just walked up to the front and got on the microphone. And I was like, oh, okay. And then, and then, and then I was still waiting. And then finally you went, okay, just before we start the show, is there anyone else that has a project that needs help with and I was like like this I was like is it now is it now yes and I was like jumping up in the air and you said you you're bursting out of your seat come up and so that's how we met the lovely story <laughs> but all right we we know from earlier that this the recording of that was lost no no no, no that, not that was. one uh, okay so that's how we met but I need to know what was the thing. Do you okay. need to know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've built okay. this up. So what did you tell us about that night? Yeah. Okay, so I was sharing about, uh, so we were on a show, Queers of Joy, um, and we were contacted by um, some refugees living in a Kenyan refugee camp, Kakuma. There's 200,000 people in the camp, and um, we were contacted by a trans woman named Lucretia, and she is in a community of LGBTQ refugees um, known as Block 13, because that's where they are. It's a Block 13 in the camp. And they'd contacted us and let us know about their situation. They've been there four or five years. Um, they fled Uganda to escape discrimination because they're all homosexual or trans, and they have found that the camp is even less safe in some aspects, they get um, discriminated against by the Kenyan police, by um, the hospitals. Um, they get attacked by other refugees and locals. Um, because they're Ugandan, that's the only reason that you would have fled your country if you're Ugandan is because you're queer. So everyone knows they're queer. Just when they open their mouths, they can tell that they're Ugandan. Um, and these people are activists. They refuse to be silent. They refuse to assimil assimilate. And they told us their story. And um, that was back in August 2021. 
And so ever since our show, Queers of Joy, has been raising funds for them, um, we were able to help them buy mattresses because they were sleeping on the, the dirt on the floor because someone had stolen all their mattresses. They were sleeping without a shelter because someone had burnt it down and someone actually lost their life in that fire. So this is what I shared about with you because I knew, given your commitment to refugees and um, I knew that you would want to do something about it and you did. And that night that we shared about it, the um, audience in Sydney, I think it was about 2,000 people, we raised $3,000 that night. Um, and we made a video, remember, with That's the right. audience. We, we sent them a video and they were so moved by the video, which was We're With You, Block 13. And they were just like, to know that people actually care, that means so much because they feel so isolated and they get treated inhumanely. So that constant um, oppression makes them sometimes feel worthless. So any act of solidarity and sending love um, makes a big difference to them. And since then, you've said you've had some steady donations coming in because people are catching up with the podcast or they listen to, you know, they come in late and they're listening to an older episode. So that's really great to know. When we were in Sydney last, when I was in Sydney last, which was January, February? April. April. <laughs> April 4th. <laughs> it, it feels like longer ago. Okay. It, life is moving very fast for me at the moment. I'm doing too many things. I'm doing too many things at the moment. So I'm, and I'm loving all of the things. This is what I wanted. This is what I asked for. This was the dream. You're living it. I, 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 I'm having to live the dream because there's no nighttime dreams due to lack of sleep. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that was only April, wasn't it? Was it? Yeah. So, okay. Um, in April, I came to Sydney and we didn't, this show that we talked about, and this is when I really understood what Quiz of Joy was. Um, and it was just a remarkable night. And because we lost the recording, I didn't know. I, I had an initial response of going, oh, no, we've lost the recording. But then I, like, realized that, like, maybe that show was for that room, you know, like, let it go, let it be. I did not know till tonight that Chris is still living with extreme regret. So we have to do a ceremony tonight to let Chris let it go. That's important to me. Um, Deborah's going to give Chris ayahuasca. <laughs> No, I'm not. I, I am not a shaman. I am not qualified. I, I'm not a, neither a therapist nor a shaman, and I must never give anyone ayahuasca. I have done it, and that has helped me let many things go. But just to be clear, I did not have to go up a mountain to let go of that show. Like, I was already, like, philosophical. It was very philosophical. I know. We'll do it again. We're going to do it again. We're going to do it again, and it's going to be even better. Um, I feel that like you've not let it go. Uh, Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online you'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. 
Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Hello, Guilty Feminists. This is Deborah. We have more live shows coming up in between now and the end of the year. On Monday, the 18th of October, we'll be back at King's Place and my co-host will be the amazing Chloe Petz. Our guest will be a clean air advocate, Rosamond Adu Kissy Deborah, who will be talking to us about the health impacts of air pollution and the incredible Daisy Haggard, who you will know from some hit shows like Breeders and Episodes and The Brilliant Back to Life, which she also co-wrote. That's Monday, the 18th of October at King's Place in London. To get tickets, go to guiltyfeminist.com and click on Live Shows. And that's where you'll be able to find information about other places to see us too. Tickets to live shows make great Christmas presents. If you want ad-free episodes of the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash guiltyfeminist and sign up for as little as £2.50 a month. Or if you prefer, you can sign up via Apple Podcasts or Acast Plus. Or what costs you nothing is to leave a five-star review wherever you get your podcast. You can do that on any individual episode. You can do it every week if you want. And that helps other people find the show. Or why not just tell someone with your face? And now back to the podcast. We need to bring Danica in. So because you are known as King Coach Daddy Joy and mother of drag queens. And my wife. Drag kings and Chris's wife. Yes. In fact, I get introduced at every show as, and here's my wife, Danica Lani. (laughs) You're a feminist, but... You're introducing this incredible woman as my wife, mostly my wife on stage. Well, it started out because I was saying it as like a boast, like this is my wife. Oh, oh, I should put that intonation on it. Yes, and yes. then people in the audience were like. Catching on. If I ever said Danica Lani, they were like, you're not saying her full name. It's Which my wife, wife, Danica Lani. <laughs> now it's a running joke. And I'm proud. I'm proud. Yeah. 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 No, as you well should be. So Danica, can you tell me a little bit about what you do? Yes. So as you said, I'm I'm known as the King Coach, um, named by the community in Sydney. Um, Chris and I actually met doing a drag king group together. So a mutual friend had introduced us, had asked me to choreograph a drag king group. And I've been a drag king on and off since 2011. I started it off in, in doing drag. Uh, that same year, though, in 2011, I won a pole dancing competition. So that tells you a little bit about my gender expression, which I like to call bi-gender. My physical body is female and my energetic body is male. So I won a drag king competition that year and a pole dancing competition. So... Uh, so there Chris and I were many years later, that's how we met in this um, drag king group, and we just had so much fun doing this performance. On the second rehearsal, Chris does a Patrick Swayze slide on their knees across the floor, and that was it. I was a goner. <laughs> and, uh, yes, we are now married. And so when Chris started uh, this show, Queers of Joy, they wanted to start a, a queer performance night in Sydney, and I said, well, look, there's a lot of those kind of shows already happening, what's going to make this show different? I said, look, you've been going on this gender journey and maybe that's something that you could, you know, contribute to that community. And so it has been um, platforming trans and gender diverse artists. But as part of it, Chris said, let's do a drag king group and um, you can just, can't you just choreograph something quickly and we'll put together a group? And so we put together this first group and, and they had so much fun out on the, out on the um, you know, some of them are performers, some of them are not, some of them have never performed ever, some have never picked up a makeup brush in their life, um, and uh, it's just an, become this empowering experience that is now turned into a six-week program. You can go from zero to hero and not know anything about drag or, you know, not know your drag king name or anything like that, and then by the end of it, you've got a name, you've got a look, you've got a persona, and uh, you've performed with your drag king crew and uh, developed some bromances along, along the way. So how do you choose your drag king name? Ah, that's if a If I wanted one. If you wanted one. Yeah, which I do. 
Okay. Good. Me too. This is good to know. So this is have... not hypothetical. I want to do it. Oh, okay, good. Well, let's get straight into it then. The coaching begins now. Uh, so a couple of tips. You can go for something that's punny. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, uh, you can go for something that – I always coach people to draw on their own cultural heritage. That way we avoid any um, cultural uh, appropriation. So you want to draw from your own – stay in your own lane. You know, mostly I say that for white people, to be honest. <laughs> and, um, that, you know, we have to be reminded because we don't see race. We're, we're blind. I'm, a, I'm a white person, for those of you who are listening at home. So you know, we often forget and we're blind to race, so we need to say it and name it. And uh, so, yes, so I'd say, what, what's your cultural background, um, Deborah? I'm, I, well, what do you mean my heritage? Yeah. Um, well, I was born and raised in Australia, but then when I found my birth mother, I discovered that my family were uh, half Cornish and half old, old Londoners, like oh. like London showbiz folk. So my, okay. but my biological mother, um, uh, her father came over to London because in the in the twenties because he he was a child and. Uh, one of his siblings had asthma and in those days they just said if you were living in London they just said it's a cold climate there's no Ventolin we haven't invented that yet so uh, you have to go to a hot climate so they were sent to Australia because the child had asthma can you imagine that now like your child has asthma get to Australia (laughs) but also you won't be able to come back to visit your family because it's a steamship that goes for months and you'll never come back um, that seems an extreme reaction to asthma, but mu- the asthma must have been quite poor, I think. must have been quite Absolutely. bad. Absolutely. Um, Painful. And so my great-grandmother was a showgirl. She was a vaudeville comedian, um, dancer, as it turns out, and she had a double act, comedy act, with her sister. And my great-grandfather was a naval officer. They were, I think they were posher because the vaudeville side of the family, music hall isn't posh. Music hall is very, you know... Um, all right, Governor. Um, I think that's how she spoke. And then uh, he, he was what they called a stage door Johnny, which was the chaps that would come round to the door to try and pick up the girls, the dancers and the comedians. And one thing led to asthma. And <laughs> off they had to go uh, to Australia. So that's my, that's my heritage. I don't know anything I... about my biological father's side, but I know that he's Irish. He's got an Irish surname. Did everyone just hear stage door Johnny? Stage door Johnny. <gasps> I just did anyone else hear that? Oh my god. Yeah. I heard that. Stage do, door Johnny. I could I have to do be a drag king now just so I can be stage door Johnny. I love yes. that. Yes. You're so good at this, Danny. Oh, Danica's so good. Thank at you. This. I heard that whole story and I'm like, okay. Yeah, British theater, something Shakespeare. That's right there. Stage door Johnny. You're amazing. Yeah. I love that. I'm going to write it down so I don't forget. What's, I like, what's something that when you're teaching people to be drag kings, what's the, what's the like a stumbling block or something that people often push up against that they might have trouble with when embodying mm. uh, a, a drag king persona? Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming most of your your students are females who are are they or is it a, not That's a, a really whole good question spectrum? i've asked so many questions tell me everything okay how long have we got so um yeah, so that's a great question because, you know, we're running Queers of Joy, which is gender diverse. It's under mm-hmm. the trans umbrella. So we have actually had um, trans femme um, women who are ready to lean into their masculine. So what I always say is, I don't care what gender you were assigned at birth. I don't care who you sleep with. Are you ready to lean into the masculine and have some fun with it? Oh, I love that. Yeah. So what's the thing that people then... Oh, yeah, yeah. back to that. So, well, definitely number one is I can't dance. Anyone in here got two left feet? You'd be like, sorry, no, i got two left feet. Yeah, I often get that one. I have two left feet. I've actually never met someone who has two left feet. <laughs> so, you know, I th- movement, you know, we call it dance and we've got all this, you know, hung up stuff about the word dance, but actually it's movement. And movement, we do every day. If you can move, you can dance. And I can teach you. So, um, you know, movement is a human birthright. And it's a language and it's a wordless language. So when we move and see other human beings move, something gets expressed and articulated that couldn't have been expressed in words. Mm, Oh, really interesting. 
So what if I do, because I've asked Danica, because I can't be in Sydney for six weeks, but I asked Danica if she'd do like a weekend intensive when I'm there at some point. Um, what would I learn in that period? What do you think, what would come out of me, so to speak? I can't. Absolutely cannot wait to see what comes out. But we would definitely cover... Um, you, we would come up with the name, as so we've sure, already Johnny, done. Done, done. done. Tick. Okay, so thank you, everyone, for being part of that. We've, we've ticked the first first part. Um, we would come up with a what we call your backstory. So your backstory can be just like a paragraph and, and, and uh, a photo. It doesn't have to be of you. It could be of, you know, someone else who you're aspiring to look like or be, be I like. I think I would be the period stage door Johnny. I think I would be yeah. like hanging out. Hanging yeah, out. like p- trying to pick up girls at the stage door. But I would think Absolutely. I'm in love with one particular one. I'm not, I'm not just like hanging around for any I – don't, I don't want that. I want, I, I'm in love with one and I come and see her every week at the music hall and one week – she's not there anymore and she's gone on tour and I'm like, oh my gosh, what, what am I going to do? And so I find out which theatre she's performing at and once a week I spend half a crown to get to the theatre she's performing at just to see her. And the, the tragedy is she doesn't know I exist. Like I stand at the door every time waiting for autographs and I try and get up the courage to see her. She autographs everybody's, you know, program and things and she doesn't see me. She she just sees people at the door and I'm I'm just gathering up the courage to say hi to her and to say, do you, you know, I was here. She doesn't see, she doesn't notice that I'm in all these different theatres. Yeah, or maybe she does and she's too shy to say. I don't know. So, so you're... So when you perform as stage door Johnny, that's you trying to get your love's attention? Yes. I, thank God someone's recognised it, finally. So let, just back up. Let me understand. So, so of all of the aspects of masculinity you could embody, <laughs> Stage Door Johnny is a stalker? No! I, no! I, I did not hear it like that. I mean, okay. No, no, he, the opposite. Thing. He's so romantic. She never knows and he, she follows her. He follows her everywhere. <laughs> She never he's, knows he's there, he's but he's a shy romantic who is trying to get the courage to ask her out. Yes, I heard it that way. I, did you hear it that way? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Sorry, not. I, I watched he's, too many procedural crime shows. He's not following her back to her accommodation. She's performing in a public space. He's a fan okay. that would like to just. And also, do you know what? I don't. As, as stage door Johnny, I need to say, I don't really even have aspirations of going out with her. I just want to talk to her and I want her to see me and I just want to meet her once. Yeah. Yeah. It's very I, sad. That's what I, I did with you, Deborah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah, and, I, now, and now this. And now, yeah. And now you've got keys to my flat. So it's, <laughs> it's, working, it's working out. It yeah. is working wonders. You know, at Kings of Joy, one of our other core values is not doing representations of toxic masculinity. Who's had enough of toxic masculinity? You know, we see it. I have, yeah. We see it every, everywhere and we've experienced it. We don't need to see it represented on stage. Again, thank you no. very much. So in this way, I think stage door Johnny, you know, you can hear the real endearing parts of him you know where he's like you know wanting to be seen I think that's a a fundamental human experience we just want to be seen and we want to experience connection Mm. with other people that's all he wants just to be clear yeah he's not trying to seduce marmalade mesmeralda which is the name (laughs) of the act so I, I, when I opened my mouth to say, I had no idea what I was going to say. And it's very interesting to me that's Marmalade Mesmeralda. Do you know why I think it is Marmalade Mesmeralda? Because I follow a German... Have, does anyone else follow this German young woman on um, Instagram? And she, like, whispers really softly. And she tells you German words. I think it's probably ASMR for some people. But she is just an etymologist. And you know how Germans have all these brilliant words. And she had a word the other day that meant, I can't remember what it was in German, but it meant marmalade moments. And it's moments, a moment so wonderful that you want to catch it and keep it in a marmalade jar, an empty marmalade jar, I assume. But you want to keep it in the jar. It's like, you know, if we have a moment and it's just lovely and we're out on, you know, it's Primrose Hill and it's sunny and we have a joke, share a joke and just, you want this to last forever and you say, oh, this is a marmalade moment because you'd like to put it in the jar. Mesmeralda, it's not clear to me why I said that, except I guess it's about being mesmerized by somebody. So I want to keep her in a jar. No, you're right. I'm a stalker. (laughs) Oh my God, I'm a stalker. Oh no. How did this happen? But a 
shocker without any toxic masculinity. I mean, is there a is there a male stalker without toxic masculinity? Okay, no, no. Marmorade Mesmeralda really knows herself. She will not be taken in by stage door Johnny. She, I think she's just going to give him a withering look. Really, honestly, I think she's going to say, "Look, you know, do you know what?" She knows. I cannot I wait. For I just realised she knows. Series BBC. <laughs> she knows. But, but but maybe it's like Michael from Greece too, and he's a bit of a wet lettuce at first, but then he gets like a leather jacket and learns how to do up a motorbike and Ooh. rides over police cars and gets I, Stephanie the Zanoni. I actually I have a confession. I've never seen Greece too. <gasps> I'm so sorry. I've, I've just been. I'm How sorry. could you miss the iconic bop? Let's do it for our country. <laughs> I don't know. I must watch it. Michelle Pfeiffer, Cool Rider. Yeah. You, um, yeah. I know the concept of it. Greece in general, the moral of that story is change yourself so someone will like you. So I feel like Marmalade Mesmeralda, who is a Really funny, by the way. She's a brilliant comic and she sings funny songs. She's amazing. I mean, just amazing. She fully knows. She fully knows that, of course, she knows. She's signed to the autograph loads of times and she knows. I think she does know. Look, I'm sorry, but I don't think it's going to work because I don't think it can because of this. He needs to find somebody that he has not idolized and put on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. He's just looking at femininity on a stage. Yeah. And he's, it's always reverential and dehumanizing in some way he needs to find a genuine connection with a real person and do you know why he's avoiding that he's gay and there you go the backstory of stage stage door johnny has just been written yeah so that would be we would do that in the workshop we would do that because the thing is if once you know who you are and your persona it gives you the confidence to know where you should be on stage at any time and why because there's nothing worse than that that feeling of going oh, God, I've got no idea what I'm supposed to be doing or why I'm here or what I'm supposed to be doing next Yeah, when you're on stage. So it gives you that little bit of extra confidence to uh, know exactly who you are and where you are and why you're there. Mm. So I think it's like a mesmeralda, marmalade mesmeralda, I think it's like a Judy Garland thing where I love her but I also want to be her and I think stage door Johnny would like to do drag actually. <laughs> Have you ever had a drag king who is a drag queen? That's deep inception. It's a, I would. I mean, I think I can yes. see where this is going. Yes, that's right. I mean, I like to start my first time drag kings off leaning into the masculine, but really there are no rules, and that's the great thing about being a drag king because I don't know if you've noticed, but drag queens are quite mainstream these days, mm-hmm. and the blessing of being a drag king is we're not even mainstream yet, which means we can do anything we want. We're, we're fully emerging yeah, yeah we're emerging. We so we yeah. there are no real rules. I mean, there's there's some rules. Stay in your own lane. Don't do anything that's racially problematic, or you know, mm. those but kinds of. Other than that, like find your rules, inner drag king and, and yeah, develop. Yeah. What's your drag king name? Dario De Bello. And it took me six years to find my name. Um, Gosh, I was fast then. You were very fast. <laughs> that's right. So uh, luckily I've, I've, I've streamlined the process now so we can really just have. do it in the process of a guilty feminist interview. Abigailia needs a drag king name. Oh, I came up with one already, uh, which I don't think will make any sense to you guys, but you were talking about where you're from and your roots. So I want to be Dale Woodbriar. Daya Woodbriar. Yeah. Give it up for Daya Woodbriar, everyone. So I grew up on Woodbriar Lane, and uh, my neighbor down the roads were Dale and Wanda, and they were like grandparents to me. And Dale also built the neighborhood, like physically built it. He built my house. Yeah. So I'll be Dale. I'm, ex- I'm excited. Yeah. By what this. about you? What's your, your drag king name? Well, it's Chase Cox. Chase Talk. <laughs> and, yeah, C-O-C-K-S. Um, and <laughs> I... For clarifying yeah, the spelling. No, well, I had a friend who, whose last name was Cox and it was C-O-X, so I just want to yeah, differentiate. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't do as much thought into the backstory as you did. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I... I just am one of those guys that is a real show-off on stage and, yeah, sex appeal, raw kind of stuff. The boy band that you did when I was in Sydney just blew me away and I actually do have a video of that. 
It was a brilliant dance and very, very funny punchline. What were they called? What was the band called? Girls to Men. Girls to Men, yeah. Ah, so great. Absolutely genius. And it was, uh, I, I, it really did bring me joy, which brings us back to Queers of Joy. And you platform uh, genderqueer artists, poets, singers, and the depth of art and conversation and philosophical conversation, intellectual conversation that I had there was really off the chart. And I think that comes from people who've really had to go in because the everything that the society was telling them about gender wasn't apparent to them. So they have had to go in and do a lot of inner work. And so there was a depth to the conversations that I found really fascinating. Is there anything that you want us to know about either Queers of Joy or Block 13 that you want well, to talk about today? If we have time, they did make a video. Oh, yeah, we have show. To. Can we Can we do that? Yes, um, so, yeah, this is, uh, I think, five of them have just done a quick um, five-minute video um, that they is made especially for, for this show. Great. Okay, so shall we run the VT? This is Block 13 in Kenya. Hello, world. My name is Kevin from Kakoma Refugee Camp. Let's talk about freedom of making choice in sexuality. Human sexuality is a multifaceted aspect of life which includes sexual orientation, gender identity, and expression. It's a fundamental part of who we are as individuals and plays a significant role in our personal growth and relationship. Thanks to the guilt feminist who has shown us that love is not all about sex, love is not all about size, but love is about choice. Uh, hi all, this is Wabale Juliet. A lesbian living in Kokma refugee camp. Uh, here in Kokma, we are facing a lot of challenges. Discrimination, constant rapes, assaults, facing all the kinds of homophobia you have ever known. But this can be fought by letting the government understand that we are also human who deserve life and it cannot be done alone. I thank Guilt Feminist for standing with us and Queers of Joy for your endless love. I remain Gillette, Kakuma Refugee Camp, Black 13. As African legislators continue to make it a habit of persecuting LGBTI people in their countries with very harsh criminalization laws. They have created a continuous displacement of queer women within their countries and their borders as well. However, others, as they continue to decide to completely move, escape across their own country borders to neighboring countries for asylum. If we could count on the asylum we choose to seek, we would be relieved. But still, we have to take and we have to face persecutions, we have to face rapes, we have to face criminalizations, we have to face hate speeches and hate crimes. Even in countries, we thought that we could be protected by the international law, the international law of refugees. And here we are in Kakuma refugee camp. Here we are at Block 13 experiencing it all. And here we are sharing with you our lovely audience of the guilty feminist in London and around the world. You might wonder how you can reach out, how you can support. You can go to our Facebook. You can go to or rather our website. It's called www.freeblock13.com. You can find the Take Action button where you'll find most of the mentioned ways and methods you can stand in solidarity with us. Remember, a message of solidarity, a message of love via that email, via those emails you'll find on our website, they are also helpful and they are also uplifting to ourselves within these terrible times. And those are the ways you can really stand in solidarity with us. We need you to pass through this. Much love. Wow. It makes you feel very angry and at the same time you know you just think how people can be abandoned like that 
and how extremely lucky our lives are and privileged our lives are. And we really need to do what we can because if it was us in there or anyone we loved in there, we'd really want someone outside to fight. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think we need to do more of a campaign on this really and really try and raise some money and raise more awareness and put pressure on the European Union, who knows they need to get them out. There's been an acknowledgement that, yeah, you know, they're a target in there. And there's so few people in Block 13 relatively, isn't there? How many people are there? Uh, There's 56. 56 people could easily be housed in the European Union. And they just don't. Amnesty know about it and are trying as well. So um, we need to put pressure on our governments to try and get, well, to just get them out. If the go- if a government would just say, yeah, we'll take them, it would be over. The horror would be over. But we're just sort of watching. And in the meantime, what does money go to in the meantime? Um, yeah, and I just quickly want to say on that pressure, um, it, we know that it's possible. We know that governments will change quotas and rules because we've seen it with Afghanistan and we've seen it with Ukraine, mm-hmm. that, that it is possible that they can do something um it's just putting pressure in the right places so um that's why we keep sharing their story keep sharing about them so that one day someone will hear that can share it with the right person yeah um the money um if you donate um goes to a paypal account that i have and then they let me know when they want to use some um just so that they're not sitting there with with money and and creating themselves to be more of a target um and that will go on um food because the rations are 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 pretty poor um and they're having other people come to them asking for food as well so they're ending up um feeding other people in the camp it goes on the schooling for um about 10 of the kids because they've outgrown the schooling that um shifra the first uh, person who spoke she's been teaching the kids um but they've kind of outgrown that so they wanted to send them to school but the camp the camp school is not safe for the kids um so the money that has been donated through guilty feminist audiences so far has helped. Um, they've had two terms now at school and bought uniforms. Um, and they they are so happy to be actually going to school and, and being normalized. Um, so that's one thing that the money goes to. And obviously we'll have to pay for the next term and the term after that. Um, how much money do you need to pay for the next? Term? Oh, it's like a thousand dollars, like 500 pounds. Okay. Nothing. Well, we can. I'm sure we can make that happen. Yeah. Um, it's been absolutely amazing to have you, Chris. Is there anything you came to say you didn't get to say? No, just thank you so much um, for this opportunity. The whole reason I do Queers of Joy is to put some joy out into the world. It's something that I can do with the privilege that I have. Also, want to change the narrative of being trans and suffering because I'm not. I'm having a great time. In- yes. <laughs> um, and, um, yeah, get to do it with my wife as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, follow queers.of.joy on Instagram. <laughs> Give them a follow. In the meantime, Danica, can you please close the show? Um, while Danica's just sitting up there, presumably you'll need to tune in guitar. Abigail, have you got anything to plug? Oh, uh, hi, guys. So I have my, my own podcast, uh, called Neurodivergent Moments Podcast I do with Joe Wells. Uh, he is autistic. I am ADHD. We talk to other neurodivergent people uh, about things. We have had Deborah on, so uh, please listen. Also, we will be doing the... <clears throat> excuse me. Also, we will be doing the London Podcast Festival this year. It's our first time doing the festival, so we will be doing it on September 14th here at King's Place. So either download and listen to us or buy a ticket to see us live and follow me on all social media at Abigailia. Excellent. Uh, so uh, thank you so much. And Danica, take it away. Thank you. So this song uh, I wrote in my 20s and I'm very happily in my 40s singing it to myself and to you today as well. It's called You Deserve. I don't know 
But this dynamic, it's happening right here, right now. One feels threatened by any attention given to the other from anyone else. I remember when I played into that dynamic myself. She told me You deserve to be with someone who loves and respects you You deserve to be with someone who loves and respects you You deserve to be with someone who loves and respects you You deserve to be with someone who loves and respects you I'd never believed it before then I'd never known it before then Trained to be available and accessible I am a victim no cycles come round it doesn't matter how old you are you are there and I know there will always be a possibility of me returning there again so I'm gonna keep on remembering this to my death to my transformation so I'm gonna keep on remembering this to my death to my transformation so I'm gonna keep on remembering this to my death to my transformation you deserve to be with someone who loves and respects you you deserve to be with someone who loves and respects you you deserve to be with someone who loves and respects you you deserve to be with someone who loves and respects you you deserve to be with someone who loves and respects you deserve to be with someone who loves you deserve to be with someone you deserve to be You deserve You deserve And I'm gonna keep on remembering this To my death, to my transformation So I'm gonna keep on remembering this To my death, to my transformation So I'm gonna keep on remembering this To my death, to my transformation I deserve to be with those who love and respect me I deserve to be with those who love and respect me I deserve to be with those who love and respect me. I deserve to be with those who love and respect me as a base. In their biggest selves, in my biggest self. Danny Kalani, everybody. Thank you so much, Danica. A big round of applause for Chris Lani McAllister, Abigail Shaman. I've been staged, George Johnny. We've been the Guilty Feminists. Good night. You have been listening to the Guilty Feminists with me, Emma Cross's wife, Descos, Abigail Shaman, and our very special guests, Chris Lani McAllister and Danica Lani. The recording engineer was Charles Thompson. The Guilty Feminist theme tune was composed by Mark Hodge. The producer was Thompson, the speaker was from Vaydashop. Thanks to Rachel Kraft, Regina DCO, Zainab Muhammad, and everyone at King's Place, as well as all of you for listening. And for more information about this and other episodes, visit guiltyfeminist.com. Uh, hold on. We don't seem to have the right bits of paper. Oh, no. Tom!
Hold Bring on. the right bits of paper. He might. No, I might have them on my clipboard. Tom, don't don't come yet. Tom, don't come yet. <laughs> We're practicing edging. <laughs> We're not supposed to do callbacks from the last show, so it'll be the last reference. So let's enjoy that. Okay, ready? Yeah, now I'm ready. The Guilty Feminist is provided exclusively from Acast. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.